This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the 2021 session is about to begin. That session will be like nothing we've seen or heard before thanks to the COVID crisis. The people who run the legislature have imposed new restrictions and have all but closed the Capitol to the public in order to reduce the threat of infection. But in doing so, they may have cut the public out of the process. Floridians have the right to publicly weigh in on legislation without exposing themselves to COVID-19. They should not be required to drive the Tallahassee to gather in a single location outside of the Capitol building in order to testify. Our citizens deserve to have input into this process. It is their right as part of a representative democracy. This is a clear attack on democracy and an antithesis of what it is. Democracy dies in the dark and we cannot allow that to happen. Today on Sunrise, you'll hear from officials with the League of Women Voters, Florida Rising, Common Cause, and the Southern Poverty Law Center. They believe lawmakers are taking advantage of the pandemic limits on public participation to advance a right-wing agenda without having to look their victims in the eye. Speaking of conservative agendas, Ron DeSantis had a starring role at the CPAC convention in Orlando over the weekend, and the governor used that platform to unveil what I call the DeSantis Doctrine, saying this is not your father's GOP. We cannot... We will not go back to the days of the failed Republican establishment of yesteryear. DeSantis urged conservatives to follow the example set by Rush Limbaugh, who turned talk radio into a partisan political weapon after repeal of what was known as the Fairness Doctrine. Rush showed that fighting the left requires strength and that conservatism devoid of backbone is doomed to fail. The governor has signed an executive order modifying the COVID vaccine program. Shots are still set aside for seniors, but the new order does allow physicians, nurses, and pharmacists to vaccinate people under the age of 65 if they have medical conditions making them extremely vulnerable to COVID-19. It's going to be interesting to see how many people suddenly discover they have those conditions. Speaking of COVID, the state reported 126 new fatalities Sunday. 1,127 names were added over the past week to the death toll, which has now reached 31,406. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the stories of two Florida women dealing with stun guns and parking problems. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. This public health crisis has shown our one-size-fits-all education system does not meet the needs of every child. Senate Bill 48 rethinks education and provides needed flexibility for students and families, giving students the tools and resources they need to unleash their potential. You can make a difference and improve our education system by visiting fledreform.com to tell your lawmaker to support SB48. Paid for by Americans Prosperity, Florida. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, March 1st. This is National Pig Day, National Peanut Butter Lovers Day, and National World Compliment Day. And aren't you looking sharp today? On this date in 1692, Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne were busted for witchcraft in Massachusetts. By the time the Salem witch trials were done, 20 people had been executed, five others died in jail. Since then, it has served as a warning to future generations about the dangers of religious fanaticism and the importance of due process. In 1872, Yellowstone became the world's first national park. 
And on this date in 1969, Jim Morrison of The Doors allegedly dropped his pants in front of thousands of fans during a concert at the Dinner Key Auditorium in Miami. He was eventually convicted of two misdemeanors, indecent exposure and profanity, and was sentenced to six months in jail and a $500 fine. Morrison appealed and was free on bond when he died eight months later. Governor Charlie Crist and the State Clemency Board granted Morrison a posthumous pardon back in 2010, thanks in large part to stories written by Tallahassee reporter Gary Finout, who now works for Politico Florida. The state health department reported more than 5,500 new cases of COVID-19 Sunday and 126 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 31,406. The total number of infections in Florida, more than 1,909,000. The number of vaccinations is up, the number of people hospitalized is down, but there is little comfort when you remember that one reason hospitalizations are down is that so many people died, 1,127 over the past week. There's been a major change in the governor's vaccination policy. Seniors first is still in place, and people 65 and older are the priority. But late Friday, DeSantis issued a new order allowing vaccinations of people under the age of 65 if they have a medical condition that makes them especially vulnerable to COVID. The new order means people who qualify will now be able to get that shot at pharmacies like Walmart and Publix. It does not, however, include vaccination sites run by counties or the state. Florida could also be receiving its first shipment of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine this week. It cleared the final regulatory hurdles over the weekend, but even before that, the governor was all in for the one-dose vaccine. He said this on Thursday. Johnson & Johnson vaccine is going to be, the data has been fantastic. We're embracing it. Uh, We want to be able to make that available for folks throughout the state of Florida. Now, I'm 42. I'm going to be closer to the back of the line. But when it is my turn, I'm going to take the Johnson & Johnson. I'm just going to get one shot and then be done. An advisory panel at the CDC voted unanimously Sunday to recommend the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for people 18 and older. Ron DeSantis makes his bid for respect in the evolving GOP universe. As governor of the state where the convention was being held, Ron DeSantis had a starring role at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. He was fiery and snarky at the same time, calling Florida an oasis of freedom as he pushed for new limits on voting, a law to punish civil justice protesters, and a crackdown on big tech platforms to punish them for silencing Donald Trump. Florida is also leading in protecting our people from political censorship and in holding big tech accountable. When our legislature convenes next month, it will pass and I will sign the most ambitious reforms yet proposed for for combating political censorship and deplatforming, for preventing big tech from interfering in our elections, and for safeguarding the privacy of your personal data. We are not going to let the terms of the debate in our country be set by oligarchs in Silicon Valley. The governor used this platform to introduce the DeSantis Doctrine, saying it's time for a new GOP that doesn't compromise and never backs down from a fight. Florida's leading on the issues that matter to conservatives. We don't spout hollow rhetoric. We take decisive action. And what's true in Florida is true for conservatives across the nation. We cannot, we will not go back to the days of the failed Republican establishment of yesteryear. We reject open borders and instead support American sovereignty and the American worker, building a movement on the foundation of amnesty and cheap foreign labor. Labor is like building a house on a field of quicksand. We reject weakness in the face of the threat posed by China including their actions in international trade. 
We reject military adventurism, instead support a strong defense solely for the purpose of protecting our nation and its people. The governor also called on fellow conservatives to follow the example set by Rush Limbaugh. Not the drug part. He was talking about the take-no-prisoner style of dealing with the opposition. Now the battles ahead will be made more difficult without the voice of one of our greatest field generals, my friend Rush Limbaugh. On Wednesday, the state of Florida had the flags flown at half-staff in honor of Rush, in honor of his legacy. Rush displayed the courage of his convictions time and time again. Rush was one of the first to fight and win against cancel culture. Rush showed that fighting the left requires strength and that conservatism devoid of backbone is doomed to fail. So at this moment in our history, and I think Rush showed us this, but particularly now, standing for the right things comes at a cost. You will be attacked, you will be smeared, and you may even be canceled by the major organs of the political left. Now anyone can spout conservative rhetoric. We can sit around and have academic debates about conservative policy, and I'm not saying you don't do any of that, but the question is, when the Clegg lights get hot, when the left comes after you, will you stay strong or will you fold? And as long as he's using poker metaphors, let's just say the governor went all in and he's daring conservatives to call his bet. A straw poll at CPAC shows Donald Trump is still their favorite in 2024 with 55%, followed by DeSantis at 21%. But if Donald Trump doesn't run, then DeSantis is the runaway favorite in the straw poll with 43%. That's almost four times more than his closest rival. To quote Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. This is our last fleeting moment of peace before the start of the 2021 legislative session tomorrow. This will be a session like none other. House and Senate leaders have imposed a series of regulations designed to limit the spread of COVID-19, and you can't get into the Capitol unless you've been tested. Attendance at committees is limited, and anyone who wants to address the Senate committees has to do it from the Civic Center several blocks away from the Capitol building. Anya Gonzalez-Eilert is the executive director of Common Cause in Florida, and she says average Floridians are being cut out of the process. The current protocols leave us out of the process and keep Floridians from expressing their concerns on any piece of legislation being advanced, which may ultimately become law and affect us all. Floridians have a right to participate in their government, and our elected officials have a duty to provide a vehicle for them to do so. How do you know that you are representing the will of the people if you have silenced and shut them out from participating in the process that governs them? We're not asking for something that is difficult to implement or costly in any way. The technology is readily available. We all use it. We've used it to hold weddings, to hold funerals, to have meetings, to celebrate uh, holidays. As a matter of fact, it's already being employed in a limited capacity. What difference is there between a speaker being down the street, at the Civic Center, or located anywhere else in the state if they're still using the same audio and visual tools and technology? Democracy dies in the dark, and we cannot allow that to happen. Legislative leaders say they have made reasonable accommodations for witnesses who want to testify during the session, but Carrie Boyd with the Southern Poverty Law Center says they're not the least bit reasonable. There is no manner for someone to submit comments to the House other than appearing in person 
and the website to submit appearance forms frequently malfunction during committee weeks. And on the Senate side, we are required to appear at the Civic Center about a mile from the Capitol and have no way to submit appearance forms without doing so in person. This is not meaningful access. We understand, want, and value the necessary protocols to protect our public health during this pandemic. However, the fact that we are in a health emergency does not mean our core values go by the wayside. There are bills pending right now that could shape our state for generations to come, including negative measures to limit voting rights and citizen-initiated amendments, as well as positive steps toward criminal justice reform. Our citizens deserve to have input into this process. It is their right as part of a representative democracy. Patty Brigham is president of the League of Women Voters of Florida. She says legislative leaders are deliberately shutting people out of the process. The choice, and let's be clear, it's a choice not to widely utilize technology to open up the legislative process is unacceptable. Floridians have the right to publicly weigh in on legislation without exposing themselves to COVID-19. They should not be required to drive the Tallahassee to gather in a single location outside of the Capitol building in order to testify. Not when there is technology that allows citizens to connect from the safety of their homes. Our state leaders surely know that. But instead of focusing on transparency and the legislative process, we're instead seeing them, to be more specific, our governor, honoring bigotry and hateful rhetoric of radio personality Rush Limbaugh, pushing false narratives about our elections process, and attempting to infringe on our First Amendment rights with anti-American protest legislation. All this as more than 30,000 Floridians have died due to COVID-19. When will we fly the flags at half-mast for them? An array of diversified voices from every neighborhood in every corner of the state is crucial as many legislators have decided to take up bills that would greatly impact public education, thwart the will of the electorate on the recently passed minimum wage amendment, make it even harder, much more difficult, to get a citizen initiative onto the ballot, and those are just for starters. Monet Holder with Florida Rising says the limits imposed by lawmakers really do amount to an attack on democracy itself. The Florida Capitol belongs to the people of the state, not political donors or for profit interests. Yet under the cover of COVID-19, this legislature is restricting public access to the legislative process, and that is indeed a problem. The work of the legislature should focus on the most vulnerable Floridians, yet these are the voices that are currently silenced by the restrictive protocols that are in place. We must expand access and protect our fundamental right to free speech. While it is important for the legislature to uphold and abide by CDC and federal guidelines, it is equally as important to uphold your constitutional responsibilities during the crisis and the public's right to participate. Democracy is a system of government that bases its legitimacy on the participation of the people. Therefore, the people should have a say. This is a clear attack on democracy and an antithesis of what it is. The leader of the Senate Democrats has filed a resolution that would allow House and Senate committees to meet remotely during a declared emergency, so long as those meetings are still open to the public. 
Your calendar of political events and our daily tribute to Florida Man is next, although, honestly, in these stories we're talking about a Florida woman and a Florida girl. But first, a word from the sponsors. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license suspensions and help Florida get back to work. Welcome back to your Sunshine Calendar. At 11, Democratic leaders of the Florida House hold an online media availability to talk about the session. Also at 11, Sierra Club Florida holds an online press event to release 2020 report cards for Governor Ron DeSantis and Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed. At 1.30, the Senate Select Committee on Pandemic Preparedness hears from the Department of Economic Opportunity. That's the agency that runs our notorious unemployment compensation system. The House Judiciary Committee meets at 2 to take up a bill cracking down on scammers who provide fraudulent information about COVID-19 vaccines. At 4, the Senate Ethics and Elections Committee considers a proposal that would make it harder for people to change the state constitution. And at 6.30, U.S. Senators Mitt Romney and Joe Manchin will appear in an online forum to help launch FSU's Institute of Politics. A 12-year-old Florida girl is busted for selling stun guns at her school in Tampa. The resource officer says she bought five ViperTech stun guns online. They found two of them in her backpack, and she admitted selling the other three to students at Coleman Middle School the day before. She's been charged with possession of a weapon on school property, and police are looking for the stun guns she sold. Finally today, a Florida woman faces more than $100,000 in fines for parking in her own driveway. Sandy Martinez lives in Lantana with her mother, sister, and her two adult children. Now, to get all all four of their cars out of the street, they have to park side by side in two rows in the driveway. The outer wheels of each car extend slightly beyond the sides. Well, Lantana officials say that is a code violation. They have fined her $250 per day for the past 400 days. A libertarian group called the Institute for Justice is suing on her behalf, claiming the crippling fines were imposed for trivial code violations and are both excessive and unconstitutional under Florida's constitution. That's it for Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow on opening day of the session as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. Oh man, we're going to need a bigger plunger.